Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, we are on a roll. This is the first day of 2024, and we're already dropping out our episode, uh, first episode of the year, episode number 28 in total. But this is the first episode of 2024. Um, first of all, my co my co host would like to uh, make a correction on yes, something I'd from like a previous to... episode. Uh, recant a statement that I made two episodes ago. Is recanting really the appropriate term for this? Um, it's I more think like so. a it's correction. more of a correction yeah, than a, you know, a recantion. Rec- recanting is um, yeah, no, yeah. I'd like to correct. I'd, I'd like to correct a statement that I made. I was a couple episodes ago was giving a list of um, books that I wanted to read, and I said that <laughs> I wanted to read Tess of the Dubervilles, um, and I've since gotten a copy of the book to read and when i sat down to read it i realized that it's not dubervilles but derbervilles and so i'd like to correct my previous statement made well i'm glad we straightened that out i'm glad we got that straightened out um so those of you that were screaming at your um, podcast machine yes during that episode that don't worry i know she now knows yes the correct pronunciation is Derbervilles. Derbervilles, not Deubervilles. Um, so, problem, um, problem, problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs> um, <clears throat> as I mentioned, this is the first episode of year 2024. And this year we decided, and when I say we, I mean I decided, because I texted you and I said, hey, this year. Yes. Our, I don't even think you, you didn't even say we should do this. You said we said need to, to or, we're, yeah. we're, or we're going to. And what is it that we're going to do? Well, I'll tell you if you'll, <laughs> if my, if my friend here, well, let me get a word in edgewise. Um, this is the 40th anniversary. 2024 is the 40th anniversary of what I've always regarded as the greatest year of all time. Now, I'm not sure I want to still use that terminology. I don't know if I want to say that's the greatest year of all time, but 1984 is definitely one of the, the more significant um, years of my life. Um, and it's, it's has long reaching effects um, into, into 40 years later. 1984 was a, a pivotal turning point, I believe. For you personally or for, for the world at large? The world at large. Okay. Um, and um, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it wasn't. But um, so what we decided was this year we're going to pay homage. We're going to talk about um, things from the year 1984, things that happened in the year 1984. Hey, would you like to hear a few things that happened? <clears throat> and this will just—I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list. This is just a list of things um, that have happened in the, in, in, in uh, 1984 in the United States. All right, let's get into well, it. Well, number one, on the first day of January of 1984, the, the Bell telephone system, it used to, it was, um, it merged with AT&T. It broke up. Bell and as an Alexander yeah. Graham Bell? Yeah, it was Bell telephone and there was AT&T and MCI. These were like long distance companies. Oh. And they kind of, uh, they broke that whole thing up and made it into, kind of merged. Okay. And then on the 10th of January, the U.S. reestablished full diplomatic relations with Vatican. Oh, okay. The 25th of January, Ronald Reagan announced in his State of the Union address the development of a permanent space station, which eventually evolved into the International Space oh. Station, which is still up there right now. Okay. 
Um, so there's a, those some are some significant, significant events. events. Yeah. Um, I think it was January 24th. Actually, was the when Apple during the Super Bowl um, unveiled a very famous um, commercial for the for the Macintosh computer, the 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 debut of the Macintosh computer, which I looked it up, retailed for twenty five hundred bucks in nineteen eighty four, and uh, it was basically you couldn't do jack squat with it, <laughs> you couldn't do too much with it. It was a door stopper. Yeah. Yep. So anyway. Um, and I don't want to get, I'm not going to get into, you know, there are a lot of things stuff. happened in 1984, but it was a big year pop culture wise. It was a big year political wise. Um, it was just, a, and uh, it was a big year. It was just a big year. The Detroit Tigers won the World Series. They haven't won it since then. So it's been 40 years since they've won it. They've been this twice. This is the year. Not likely. <laughs> not likely. Um, I I know nothing about the current state of the Detroit um, Tigers, but so. there was just a lot of there was just a lot of things in, and and uh, we'll also we'll talk about music. It was a huge year for pop music. Um, yeah, it was just a big it was year. A huge year. It was a huge year. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, huge it's year. from from what we were talking <clears throat> about yesterday, sort of trying to come up with plans of of what we should do it seems like there's a lot of ground to cover so i think there we're, is i think we're set it is and i think having a theme for the year will help us in like hey we set out a plan and we'll actually take the time to sit down and record more podcasts this could be the year that we have that we eclipse 50 episodes was Possibly. this episode 28 i mean the only thing is if we do 22 episodes for the next every- four months i will be at college that doesn't matter <laughs> We're gonna record like five episodes today and okay, just okay. spread them out. Okay, okay, okay. No, um, no. no, but I think that this. But um, during the summer, we've really oh, got to yeah. commit. We didn't really. This year, yeah. we've got to. We kind of were just like, eh. and a lot of it was we didn't have much to talk about. But this will allow us to set. Yes. Some topics yeah. in which to talk about. Yeah. And last night, let's just get right into this. Let's jump into it. I said, "Hey, let's figure something out to talk about 1984," and. One of the big, why well, I thought, what would be a good thing to kick it off with? And so what we did was we watched Footloose, <laughs> the movie Footloose, 1984. Released in 1984, starring Kevin Bacon, Laurie Singer, John Lithgow, Diane Weist, um, Chris Penn, and, and Sarah, Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker. Parker. The great Sarah Jessica Parker um, are in this The great in this SJP. Film. And so we decided to watch it. Very famous movie, mostly because it kind of um, it, it kind of got Kevin Bacon on the map, and its soundtrack, the soundtrack of Footloose, um, is one of one of the big um, the big moments and the big moments. One of the big uh, soundtracks soundtracks of all times. Let's just let's just look at some of these songs on this on this soundtrack. Let's take a look. Uh, number uh, number one, Footloose uh, by Kenny Loggins. <laughs> of course, yes. Let's hear it for the boy, Denise Williams. Mm-hmm. Which is, I I like that song. Almost Paradise, Mike Reno and Ann Wilson. Mike Reno is the lead singer for Loverboy. Ann Wilson is in the band Heart with her sister Nancy. Holding Out for a Hero, Bonnie Tyler. That's a very famous one. Big song. Um, not as well known, but... Um, 
still memorable. Uh, one of the most absurd uh, song titles of all time, Dancing in the Sheets by Shalimar. <laughs> oh, brother. Um, another Kenny Loggins tune, I'm Free, parentheses, Heaven Helps the Man, parentheses. Somebody's Eyes by Carla Bonoff. The Girl Gets Around by Sammy Hagar and Never from uh, the band Moving Pictures. Never is probably... There's a reason why that's the last song in the soundtrack. That's the one... The least memorable. Yeah, I don't think that's as memorable. But there's some big hits on there. I don't remember how many of them went into the top ten, but... Honestly, the only songs from it that I remember after one viewing of it is just the ones that I already knew before watching the movie. Like Footloose. Yeah. Holding Out for a Hero and Let's Hear It for the Boy. So... I mean, let's maybe, give the boy a hand. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> maybe I'd have to watch it a few more times for them to really sink in. Yeah, uh, let me see if I can get the information. It debuted, it reached number one in the U.S. Billboard 200 chart on April 21st of 1984, and stayed at number one until June 23 of 1984. Wow! So that's uh, that's quite impressive. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, there was an original nine-track album. There were six top 40 hits. Three reached the top 10, including Footloose, Let's Hear It for the Boy, and Almost Paradise. Some, Somebody's Eyes by Carla Bonoff reached to number 16 on the adult contemporary chart. Wow. So, um, it's pretty good. Released seven singles, which is, um, it re released it in 1998 with four bonus tracks because there were some songs in the. In the film, in that the film not that were not um, on the soundtrack. on the original soundtrack when they re-released it, they added for the fifteenth anniversary collector's edition "Bang Your Head" parentheses mental health parentheses by Quiet Riot, "Hurts So Good" by John Cougar, "Waiting for a Girl Like You" by Foreigner, and then the extended version, the twelve minute <laughs> twelve inch extended version of "Dancing in the Sheets." Um, well, there you have so it. So there you go. So yeah, even even the songs that didn't make the soundtrack, they were they were already kind of big hits um, prior to being placed in there. Certified five times platinum in Australia, six times platinum in Canada, nine times platinum in the U.S. Platinum basically means every every one million units sold is platinum. So if you sell I nine see. million units, you're nine, nine times, times platinum. platinum. So there you have it. That's the Footloose soundtrack. It's just Big a little, soundtrack. Just a little glimpse into the the effect that this film had. Oh, yeah. The music, at least. The music, at least. So let's get into it. Let's talk about this terrible... I mean, this um, <laughs> interesting <laughs> this interesting film. Yeah. Well, first, first off, this was my first time watching Footloose. I'd never seen it before. Um, so I think I have, I have some fresh, some fresh thoughts on it. Having seen it um, for the first time yesterday evening. Speaking of fresh, it's certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, fifty-three <laughs> percent. Wow! Uh, I don't even agree with the is that cr the critic, critic is that the critic that's the score? critic consensus? Okay. Yeah, seventy-one percent audience score. Wow! Um, I don't agree with the critics consensus where it says there's not much dancing. That's true, but what's there is great. That's not true. Uh, the rest of the time, Footloose is a nice hunk of trashy teenage cheese. Mm. 
I don't even know if it's a nice hunk. Yeah. But we'll would, get into that. I would say that I think I enjoyed watching it, but it was it's the kind of movie where it's fun to watch because it's ridiculous and it's fun to to make fun of, especially if you're watching it with another person and you can make fun of it together. So I did enjoy watching it, but I think it was more so that instead of liking the movie it was just a fun experience yes and maybe we should talk about what this movie is about yeah we can do a little synopsis so it's about this kid named ren mccormick played by kevin bacon kevin bacon the legendary kevin bacon he's from chicago and they move to the town of beaumont which i believe is supposed to be in utah is that, is right? that a fictional town i don't that i don't know but I think it's supposed to be in Utah. Maybe. Um, and they and they meet uh, Reverend Shaw Moore, who's played by. Oh, sorry, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. And then a daughter, Ariel, played by Laurie Singer. Um, her ragtag team of friends. Her dad is a strict <laughs> religious, uh, strict religious man, and she, Ariel, is a, is a rebel. She's a rebel. Um. And the whole premise of the film is that Reverend Moore and the town have forbidden dancing. Dancing is against is actually against the law in the town of yeah. Beaumont. Um, I think I because some kids went to a dance and then got into a car crash on the way back five years before, and one of them mm-hmm. was the Reverend's son. Yes, and so he chalked all that up to. The dancing. rock and roll music and the dance. Yes. Well, I yeah, part of it is like I think he says that drinking and drinking and drugs often accompany rock and roll music. And so that's part of his reasoning, but then the other part is that it um it makes children want to be intimate with each other. Yes. Yes. Um la- later in the movie Diane Weiss, the pre- who plays the Reverend's wife, says, "Do you think that's the only, you know, right? what does she say? The She's, only thing that the only thing excited, that makes them yeah. get excited." She's like, "Don't you remember how we felt when we would just look at each other?" Yeah. She's basically like teenagers. It doesn't take rock and roll and dancing yeah. to get them interested in in each other. Yeah. In uh, premarital uh, intercourse or whatever. <laughs> 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 um, Trying to think of a kosher so, term. I, I have some trouble. I, I'm having trouble because I obviously I was um, a teenager in 1984. I'm just trying to think. This doesn't seem like it was a thing. Like there was always this sort of the older generations have always been, particularly in religious organizations, been uh, sour on pop music and dancing. Um, but I, the, the idea that an entire town would make it illegal <laughs> yeah. to dance, and illegal to even own, because there's a even own music that is rock and roll. Because there's a scene where Kevin Bacon's driving through town when he after he first gets there and he's playing probably the Sammy Hagar song too loud or maybe it's the Quiet yeah. Riot. So he gets pulled over. And they take the cassette away from him. Yeah, because it's contraband. And that's considered contraband. And and we know that also because 
there's a diner, one of those drive-up diners, and um, Ariel goes there after church in the evening, and she pulls out a boombox, and she's playing that dumb Dancing in the Sheets song and dancing, and then her dad shows up, shuts the tape deck off, and because she said your mom was worried that you didn't have any money or whatever, but yeah. she says before she puts the tape in, she's like something about s- sneaking tapes. Or yeah, something it was like a, that. it was some. She had to like buy it secretly somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like smuggle you, it across the yeah. So order. like so like cassette tapes of rock and roll songs or pop music are considered contraband in this town, which seems on the on the whole, this whole premise of this entire thing seems absurd. It just seems like it's a, like I know there was a I remember there being problems with song lyrics and the effects of them on the youth. Yeah. Um and you know that's this is the era where the whole um parental warning stickers yeah showing up on came from. But the idea that there were towns that actually banned Yeah, because in the film they make it seem and like it's footloose. There's... So I'm not gonna do a whole lot of research to find out that this kind of thing actually happened. But, but on the surface this seems very ridiculous. Yeah, and in, in the film they make it seem like there's other towns that do this. Like um Christopher Penn's character keeps or there's a conversation where he tells him tells Kevin Bacon's character that like, oh yeah, like my cousin lives in a town where they can't dance either. So yeah, it, it's they make it seem everywhere. like it's a, it's a common occurrence. There's an epidemic. Yeah, of no dancing towns. Of no dancing. Well, when when we were watching the movie, I have my notebook here because I took some notes. Copious notes. I took copious notes. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I can't sort of, wait to hear this. I sort of, you took a lot more notes than I did. I sort of um. I sort of uh, narrowed it down to some main points I wanted to make, but something that I wrote um was why does the pastor have the power to make laws in this town it seems like he worked with the city council he somehow convinced them they probably they make it very kind of clear that because there's a scene like a montage scene of him giving the same speech to different yeah groups, groups in town people. and it's like everybody goes to him for in town for like the yeah. more it's a very religious centered town right but they and he's a he's a they look to influential him like he influences he's an influential person yeah. within the town yeah. now i mean to me it's like okay if you're a church and you have a church board and a pastor you can set sort of the guidelines for behavior i guess if you want to put it that way yeah, for we, who's going to be a member of your church but i've never yeah. never uh, this seems like a medieval kind of way of thinking and a it seems out of place even in the 1980s when. Yeah, well, that was the first thing that I wrote down as one of my main points is that it's the film is set in the wrong time period. Right. That's at least yeah. that's our impression. Because I think had it even been set in the 50s, it would have made more sense. But also... I think that there's a certain air of dystopia that surrounds the the plot, and yeah. it would have to be <clears throat> the reason I asked you during the movie. I asked you what the name of that the what Pleasantville. I couldn't remember the name of it was because it that was what I was reminded of. None of the in, books are in the words sense of whatever. 
Yeah, in the sense of, which I've never seen Pleasantville, but I know that it's like kind of a, a weird dystopian set in the fifties, yeah, utopia kind of movie, and that's what I feel like it would have been better had it been a little bit of a almost satirical statement piece instead right. of like an actual story right. about a town where dancing is outlawed. Well, I noted here in my notebook because I remember. The past, uh, they were saying a group of kids had snuck across the state lines to go to a concert or something. Yeah. And when they came back into town, the police pulled them over. They nabbed them. Yeah. Caught them leaving the, leaving the county or the state. And then they were um, placed on church and school probation. Like they were on yeah. probation at school, a public school. It's yeah. not even a Christian school. No. And at church. Um for leaving the state and going to this concert. Well, it's against the law. <laughs> I know, but it was against the law in their town. Yeah. They left the they town. They left the town. Yeah, it wasn't like they were attending a concert or listening to music within the town. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, that was another thing There was a line was... later in the movie where the daughter, Ariel, comes home late and the pastor meets her on the stairs and she he says, how can I impose a curfew... Or enforce a curfew on the kids in my church if my own I can't even do it with my own daughter. So he's even got a curfew, the ability to put a yeah. curfew on kids. Yeah, that was who aren't his own kids. That's what was confusing me because I know that there are a lot of people who, in in the real world, there's a lot of people who um, rely heavily upon the religious leaders of their community for advice about right. parenting and how to run their homes, but to have an enforced curfew yeah, that, that your pastor strange. is saying and i think hey that's... you all have to be back at your homes at this time not even i would recommend that you Im- like that this is your curfew for your children right that he's imposing it upon yeah. other people's children is strange i feel like that's the point of the movie though is to sort of Im- imply how excessive yeah and suffocating it is for the kids to um, not only have their parents, you know, yeah, being moralists or whatever you want to say about this, but the the pastor and the city council have so much control over. Yeah, um, everybody's against them. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it would have made sense had it been less of a literal film and more of a satirical or like a statement piece or something, Maybe. because it is excessive and ridiculous. And so if you're trying to make a point, that's the kind of yeah. movie that you make. And I feel like there's two movies happening. Like like this like John Lithgow's great as the pastor. Like he plays a, a Yeah, good, he's a good actor. A good pastor when he's preaching, he's mm-hmm. very convincing as a as a fire and brimstone preacher. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's for like a totally different movie or something. Like like yeah. if there, if there had been a movie just about this pastor struggling with some his strictness of you know what I mean? Yeah, trying to overcome how do I so raise my, this... my, you know, because he gives that speech at the end where he's like, how are, you know, how can I, how how will our children become trustworthy if we don't trust if them? We, yeah. And um, how will they learn to be how will they learn to be trustworthy if we, if we don't, don't trust, trust them? them? And sort of I his trust kids. <laughs> sort of his 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 battle with how do I, you know, what is the what is the, 
what is the boundary where I stop? Where where am I crossing the line? Right. Where am I imposing too much? And where do I need to trust my congregation and my own children to do the right thing? Now, if they really that would wanted... have been. It feels like you said. It feels like a separate movie. Yeah, yeah. Because then there's these goofy teenage parts of the movie yeah. with, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Um. And we'll get into the we'll get into the teenager the part of the teenager movie. The goofy teenager stuff, yeah. Because um, this part's probably bringing everybody down. Like this sounds like a really depressing movie. Um, but basically, my feeling is that this is the storyline is just yeah, it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> <laughs> storyline is absurd. I think I think it could have worked had the setting and the tone of the film been different. Right. But because of the way that they set it up, it didn't work. Now, I grew up, essentially, in a small country um, community. Church was a big thing there. Um, and I... But... And I think there was, obviously, concern about the effects of music and dancing and things. But the school had a dan- had dances. Yeah. A lot of the church kids, the didn't church know. kids in quotes, didn't go to the dances. Yeah, um, but that was a parental decision. But I do yeah. remember, yeah, but I do remember there being one instance of there was a radio station out of Lansing, and one of our school bus drivers wouldn't let them p- play that station on the radio in the bus because they had a bu- radio in the bus, and they would, yeah, and the bus sense. driver made a big stink about not playing it, so some of the kids called the radio station to say that they were being forbidden from listening to this station on the bus. And so the radio station sent, mailed a bunch of stickers for the radio station, bumper stickers, and started talking about our community online, calling them Puritans and oh, wow. all this stuff. And I'm like, it was just one bus driver. Online? That... We didn't have online back you then. You said online. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you did. You said no, talking on the about air. them online. On the air. Oh, on air. On the, radio, yeah. on the actual radio station. I was station. like, Sorry. online in the 80s? No, there. We, yeah, we didn't have that. No, we didn't have that back then. But no, I'm talking about them on the air yeah. over the radio station, over the radio waves, over That's the airwaves. So interesting that they would. But it wasn't take like so the whole community. The whole community was like forbidding kids from listening to this radio. It, it was, was just, just one bus driver, bus driver who was yeah. like, "I don't feel this is appropriate." Yeah, he was like, "Just not on my route." Yeah. Like, so then there were bumper stickers for this radio station all over the school and stuff, and it was kind of <laughs> ridiculous, blown out of proportion. Yeah. But so there was sort of. I don't know. There was an um there was um there was sort of an ambivalence or a hostility from a lot of adults towards that kind of thing and they wouldn't let their own kids yeah do stuff. But I it went, was never I went a... to a concert um in high school and my date who was my girlfriend at the time her parents didn't want her to go because they didn't feel like it was appropriate who who was the it was artist? new edition and bobby brown oh okay and they were like they didn't they let her decide if she wanted to go but yeah and she went along but they didn't but feel they like didn't it, feel was that it was appropriate concert. so there was sort of and and i mean it was your parent there's yeah there's always been things that i was like I think no. that's I think that's always not even just in the eighties. That's I mean that's always been right. the case. You and know, there were some people didn't like it when their kids were listening right. to Elvis or whatever. You know, so it's it's always what it's always been. <laughs> yeah, a thing. Yeah, but there was never 
and I don't I didn't go to church at the time, so I don't know what pastors I assume they were talking about this. Yeah, I mean but pastors I don't, talk about yeah, it now but I don't, too. So. Right. And I don't but I just don't I just don't know that like there was no sort of concerted effort by the entire community to Yeah, it would be impro- it would be stuff. improbable yeah. for this level yeah. of yeah. But that's what I'm trying to think. Like in 1984, the community I was in wasn't like this, but were there actually communities like this? Or is this just some hackneyed <laughs> thing that they put in to make a conflict in, yeah. a, in a, a really dumb uh, movie that's designed um, for teenagers? Yeah. I don't know. It does. It seems like that the whole idea is designed to get teenagers all in an uproar. Yeah, adults yeah, don't understand fight for us. Our right to party, or whatever, they're oppressing you know? <laughs> us, or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, in this movie, you know, but yeah, I don't know. yeah. All right. Should we move on to the oh, next? Yeah, let's point? move on. Let's let's quit bringing people down with this talk about the oppressive nature. of <laughs> Well, Beaumont, Utah. I was gonna bring up that what I wrote down, and this may be, I may be thinking too deep into this uh probably <laughs> I that would be my too guess deep into i don't know what you're gonna say but what i one thing that i noticed is that it's there's a common trope in films when with it regarding female mental illness yeah where because in this film the ariel the character laurie is, singer laurie played by singer laurie singer by laurie the great singer. laurie singer there are several instances. One of else, like but. the first scenes that she's in is a scene where she's climbing out of the window of her friend's car into her boyfriend's car and standing with one foot on either like door frame in in between yeah. the middle of the cars while a semi truck is driving at her. Yes. And then there's also another scene where she goes and stands in the middle of a railroad track and screams right. at for while the train is coming at her yeah um and something that i've noticed with this movie and in other movies is that her her having mental illness having you know suicidal tendencies is only really used to make her seem more desirable in that she's exciting and wild yeah and she's damaged. a wild child she's wild and she you know she <laughs> she rebels against her father and she's damaged and that sort of thing i felt like though they played down this the potential suicidal aspect of it like i don't remember thinking oh as a young person i don't remember thinking she, she's suicidal i remember thinking she's like she's just reckless yeah yeah but i think watching it again and there's kind of a a hint a hint yeah. there that i didn't catch when i was younger that she has a bit of a death wish like she's, yeah 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 well and i think that's what i mean about it's footloose it's, is supposed to be a goofy it seemed like a, a dancey fun dancing movie but um we're making we're, we're, we're making, making this really deep. depressing and dark well, and deep here <laughs> well what i mean um, is i think i never would have thought it because they just it's very temporarily added into the plot and never really addressed afterwards and so that's what i mean of it being only used to sort of make her be seem wild and crazy and exciting and then just kind of tossed to the side once that's no longer needed and that's something that i feel like happens in a lot of films with female characters i feel like that there was a r-rated movie written (laughs) yes and they were like hey called footloose I feel, and I feel like they 
the producers or whatever as they were going along thought teenagers aren't going to be able to see this. Yeah. And so they did things to sort the of they, have to, change they to make it a PG. This is just prior. Oh, another thing from 1984 was the rise of the the first PG-13 films. Like so that was yeah. that changed like rating systems. Um but this was prior to that, I believe. Um so I think they they changed language and maybe softened some plot points and story points to make it less dramatic so that it would get the PG rating. Yeah. Because yeah. there's some pretty dark stuff. I mean, her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend basically beats her up under the bleachers at the school. Yeah, her father hits her. Her father smacks her. And um, I mean, there could have been a... It's like domestic abuse. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, and, and there's potential for, I don't know, is it his stepfather? Ren's is it his I stepfather? Like his, I don't know. I never was clear. I think it, it was an uncle. And but. I thought it was it was either his uncle, but at one point he said, "I'd never try and take the place of your father." So I didn't know if he's like his guardian or like I don't know because the mom is living with him. Yeah, I don't know. But there's like I don't a, there's know. that like, wasn't clear. There's like but a I wasn't little bit. I feel like there's either. a little bit of not necessarily abuse, but maybe like a, a toxic relationship there with. With some mistreatment, perhaps, maybe, or that they that they maybe had to to rein it in a little. Yeah, bit. I think this is just a comp. There was a complicated, darker movie originally, and then they thought we better soften things a little bit. Maybe cut. Maybe they had cut some things out, and maybe we're giving them too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe too much credit. Yeah. Maybe it's just a poorly written yeah. screenplay. Who knows. Well, the thing with the you saying her ex boyfriend and her beating her up and her father hitting her, those are like that happens, and Ren knows about it. He helps her after she's been beat up. They don't call the police. They don't tell anybody. They don't no, make you solve your own problems. They don't make any small town America. We make any efforts to make sure that he sees you know some yeah, sort of wasn't, justice for that. But that wasn't really a thing. In the great 1980s, either you use frontier justice in these small towns mm. like I grew up in. Yeah, we handled handle things. We handled it ourselves. Yeah, but also the other I mean, thing is, <laughs> just handle it. I never off. handled anything <laughs> in, uh, when I was 12 years old. Yeah, um, I don't know. But don't also, know. like, her father hits her. He never apologizes. It's never mentioned when they reconcile yeah, at the end of the Natalie movie. Yeah, Natalie Wood's dad in Rebel Without a Cause tries to make it right after he smacked her. Yeah. like This guy, he's a preacher and he didn't Yeah, even... Well, yeah, because he hits her, never says, never, I'm sorry that I hit you, never brings it up again. And then yeah. he's kind of like grabbing her in the church and like roughing, being rough with her. He doesn't apologize for that. Yeah. And so that was the other thing that I'd written down is that this movie doesn't have a conclusion. They just dance, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> dance, so, dance, they cures just, everything. They just fight the and then dance. cures everything. Because... The magic healing powers of the dance. Yeah, they have, like... She has, like, one talk with her dad where they, like, kind of seem to be getting along. The, was that the one in the church where she's like, I used to love watching you get your sermons ready or No, because that ends with them fighting because he oh, has to go... He has to go because yeah, yeah, the people yeah, yeah. are burning the books at the school. Oh, yeah, the book burning. They were going to burn books... At the at the school, yeah, it was weird, yeah. and that was weird because the 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 pastor kind of turned on a dime right there, like yeah, he was 
he was telling them quit being so judgmental and who are you to stand in judgment over these people and what they read or whatever and i'm like yeah and also at the beginning of the movie it's, like he would have burned tapes i would think yeah what do they do with the tapes they confiscate they listen to them i mean there's no difference between confiscating a book and or a tape of music and burning a book if you're you're trying to forbid people from getting access yeah. to something. Burning is a little more harsh, but it's still it's and a little more symbolically. Yeah. Um, sorry, I have my my feet up on your chair over there trying to get comfortable. It's <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it was it was weird. All of a sudden, he's like, "Don't be so judgmental." I'm like, yeah. What are you talking about? And there is there was the whole thing about the dismissal of the English teacher at the beginning of the movie. It kind of seemed like he also agreed with that and then he was like oh yeah they at the end of the movie he's like oh i didn't see any grounds for his removal and it's like but at the beginning of the movie you were like in on it well i think he didn't feel like because he was going to be teaching slaughterhouse five yeah which is an anti-war book um and it's a little a little bizarre and there's some maybe some in a i guess what you consider inappropriate stuff high schoolers and it's like a it's kind of a satirical science fiction novel um, about the bombing of Dresden during World War II, and the and the main characters, the Allied characters who hide from the bombing, hide in a slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse Five oh, is where. Okay. Um. But it's it's yeah. So this guy teaching it in high school, and they're like, the, you know, and then Ren's like, "That's a great book," or whatever. Yeah, but the only they when the pastor didn't seem to say like, "Oh, we gotta." fire it was just like that's not an appropriate it sounds like not an appropriate appropriate material well also when when they bring up slaughterhouse five the only thing that they have against it is the title they don't they're not like well that has inappropriate really i don't remember that part they i don't remember that he well well i don't not that that's their issue with it but that's the only thing that's mentioned because they're standing on the porch and they say like slaughterhouse five and then the oh yeah the lady, that's a good book. and then the lady's like oh what an awful title and then he's like oh it's a great book oh and yeah, yeah so they never are like there's they're no, judging the book by there's its no cover. reasoning for it in terms of like well i heard that there's this scene and we don't want you know there's this chapter we don't want the kids reading or it has these yeah. words in it it's just the title of the book so i wonder if there was a Again, going back to softening, was there an actual subplot of them dismissing this English teacher? Were there scenes in the original script, and then they cut it I, out? I think I think you're right. I think we might be giving them too, much giving credit. too much credit. <laughs> really, the point of this was um, dancing. Yeah. Well, it was just sort of like a a hackneyed, um, weird. Um, set up for yeah it was just a shaky plot it's like a it's like a fred astaire movie it's a shaky plot set up so that there can be there's contrivances yeah just to get them to the point of (laughs) just so that they can dance dancing yeah well yeah and i think like what i said about there being no conclusion like there's not really a reconciliation between her and her dad. I think they have a conversation and like, yeah, he, I think it's the sermon at the church. He says like, we should pray like for, so that the kid, the senior class can like 
have a good luck on their endeavors with the with the dance at the mill or whatever and then she kind of like smiles and then her mom is like oh he bought you a corsage so then that's kind of like a reconciliation but then they never like there's no like conversation between them where it shows them reconciling and then there's the whole subplot with the ex-boyfriend nothing really comes of that except for they get into a fight outside of the dance and then that's the last we ever see right yeah that's sort of yeah it just ends with a yeah it just fa- they, a cut to black with kevin bacon making a cool face or whatever yeah there's no like conclusion yeah. they just dance and then that's yeah. the end of the movie roger ebert gave footloose one and a half stars and let off his review footloose is a seriously confused movie that tries to do three things and does all of them badly Who's Roger? Who's Roger Ebert? Are you for real right now? Yeah. <laughs> Roger Ebert, Siskel and Ebert. They were the two big movie reviewers in the 1980s. Yeah, I'm, that's where the two thumbs up comes from. Oh, okay. I I think you've told me that before. I yeah. just didn't know his name. Um, it wants to tell the story of a conflict in a town. It wants to introduce some flashy teenage characters, and the rest of the time, it wants to be a music video. It's possible that no movie with this many agendas can be good. Maybe somebody should have decided early on exactly what the movie was supposed to be about. Yeah, there seemed to be too many conflicting and that's where plots. I, yeah, and that's where I get the idea that maybe it was like a serious drama at one point, and then they're like, no, let's dumb it down and put some dance segments in it. Yeah, I mean, maybe dancing wasn't even originally in the movie. <laughs> or having a dance may have been part of it, and then they were like, no, let's make this about cool dancing. Yeah. Uh, and not and the dancing really is not that I cool. was going to say, the thing with the dancing is that it is not consistently one form of dancing. It's at certain points, like when they're it's in the... One, it's always consistently one form. Bad. Bad <laughs> dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but like when they're in the... In the bar yeah and they're dancing that's one form of dancing and it was a it was a good form just of sort of like some fake texas two-step stuff yeah texas two-step a little bit of rock and roll elvis dancing in there with you know where yeah. you can be like i'd understand uh perhaps why parents wouldn't want their kids to be dancing like this but then like the scene in like whatever big warehouse that was he's kind of just it's like running around and throwing himself against oh, walls yeah. and stuff yeah and that was weird so there's a whole dance scene. It's a famous scene, um, and that's what the song "Never," I believe, by uh, the one that's the last song on the. He's mad about. I can't remember what he's. He's mad about something dumb. Um. Is that after they so throw he the drives brick in the window? His, his no, it's that's earlier. That's later on. on. Yeah. Okay. He drives his Volkswagen, and he's got a beer, and he's smoking. And he and pops in a cassette. He pops a cassette in, and he starts pounding his hands on the steering wheel. And my pre- and then he's like running around and jumping off the walls and stuff. Yeah. And then and uh, I wrote down, director, just run towards the camera and do weird stuff. Like it's just like <laughs> there. That's the choreography. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just seemed like the cor- the choreography of the film, at least in this one, was just kind of like we don't know what to do. Just act. Just act angry and yeah. act like you're dancing and act angry. Well. And then there's a shot of him, and it's not him, obviously. But, and this Bacon. is like, I don't think, I don't remember if they mentioned earlier in the movie or not, but apparently he's on the gymnastics <laughs> team at school. Yeah. Like they never mentioned that. They, there's the scene in the gym where he's talking to, to the, uh, what's it, Will, Wilfred? 
Willard. Willard. Yeah. Where he's talking to Willard and he's doing like pull-ups and like flips on the gymnastics bar but they never like establish it never says like where'd you learn how to do that yeah oh, i'm, the gymnastics I'm team, trying but... out for the gymnastics team yeah. yeah so that and then so in this dance scene there's a shot of him on like you know male gymnasts have they don't have the parallel bars like the women gymnasts they just have one bar up in the air and they do spins so he's spinning on this there's like a gymnastics bar in the middle of this warehouse abandoned warehouse and he's actually wearing like the <laughs> gymnastics gloves that yeah. a male gymnast would wear with yeah. the chalk on his hands and stuff and then when he dismounts those are gone yeah and then later well, on the somebody says something to him about getting kicked off the team and it find out oh he was on the gymnastics <laughs> team and i'm like why would he be it just was weird and and it is weird that he's on the gymnastics team because he's supposed to be like this cool like rebellious kind of guy He's like, you know, right. he's kind of like the stereotypical cool guy, which I think that's what they wanted him to be, but it didn't really work. And also, so because they kind of wanted him to be like the cool, rebellious, right. dangerous guy or whatever, it was weird that he's on the gymnastics team right. because that's not like a... Yeah, like, and it just comes out of nowhere all of a sudden. Like yeah. they left, forgot to... And there's no reason They for forgot it. to establish that early on that he's... yeah. And there's no reason for right. him to be on the gymnastics what team. What else you got in that little notebook of yours? Let's let's go back to the notebook. Um, I said I I didn't have any investment in the ending. I didn't care. No, no, it's not a good movie. No, <laughs> it's not. It's and the and the whole point of it is, as Roger Ebert is correct. It's to have some dance, weird dance scenes. Yeah. In. it's like it feels like that whole part is just tacked in. They cut some stuff out of the script, and they're like shoving these dance segments yeah. in. And I think I think part of it is all of the characters. Like I think if you took out the dancing part and be went better. back to <laughs> this 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 um, this earlier draft of the script that I've invented in my head, yeah. if you'd done that, it might have had a pretty good movie. We should have made this movie because here's the other thing. I charge. think one thing they did to try to make it a PG a PG rating is they took out the sex. stuff like oh. Yeah, like not like not like, not like explicit yeah, sex, no, 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 but no. at least they sort took of out the the, the mentions the of occurrences it, occurrences of it happening. Yeah, or like the the like the there's very little swearing. Like the, at points where a teenager would actually like Be a swearing. teenager would swear. They like she was like, like when her boyfriend beats her up, she just like gets up and says, "You're so stupid" or something <laughs> like that. And um, there's Which another part the, where yeah. a guy said something. I thought. He says something like, uh, quit fooling around, but you could, or something like that. Or I don't something that would have had the F word. It looked like it had changed it. And then just like, or like when he's in his car and he's like, this piece of junk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. this piece of junk. And it's like, it's, it's, they made it, le it feels like a movie that what might have been edgier at one point <laughs> and to make it a PG rating and appeal to, 12, 10 to 13 year olds, yeah. uh, make it appropriate for them. Um, they had to cut like, some stuff cut out. Cut some stuff out. Like there's a part where they're at the trains and <laughs> and um, she's talking. Lori Singer's talking about how loud it gets out there or something. Yeah. And the guy he says, "What do you do when the trains come by?" And she says, "We make out like crazy." <laughs> I was like, "What? It doesn't yeah. make any sense." Like like maybe they originally they were doing something far more yeah, risky would, and inappropriate yeah. than just 
making out in quotes. Yeah, because why would you have like, to wait for training? These are supposed to, to be like these are supposed to be rebellious, edgy teenagers, and it's like, what do yeah. you do when the trains come by and they're making a lot of noise? We make out. Yeah. Something. Or, this is another thing that I wrote down. I think it would have been better had. The I would have just kids. been like, man, it is really loud here. Why are we hanging around where the trains are? Let's <laughs> go, go somewhere, somewhere quiet. quiet? Yeah. My head hurts. I've got a, ter- hurts. a terrible migraine. A terrible headache. Yeah. I'm going to go to bed. I don't feel so good. <laughs> I'm going to go lay down. I'm going to take you home. I'm going to get out of here. Um, <laughs> I, I also think... Oh, no, I don't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, that oh, figures. That I think that it, it would have worked better had it been like... This no dancing thing has been here for thirty years, or something like that, where it's so ingra- right. It's so ingrained in the in the society that maybe not even it's Ill- it is illegal, but also it's just not something that they would think to do. Right. And then Kevin Bacon comes in, and there's all these straight laced Christian uh, kids who don't make trouble. They just do the do the right thing and follow the rules and kevin bacon's like let's take down the system i think that would have been that would have right. been more interesting to see like yeah him be like come on guys don't you want to dance and then it's also interesting that the thing that turns the pastor around is he goes to this council meeting and starts quoting the bible about david yeah. dancing and, and it doesn't and like then dancing to celebrate to praise god and like uh, every mention of this in the, the dancing in the Bible is someone praising God, and I'm like the pastor just kind of lets it go, where any uh, where I think a, an actual pastor would have been like, yeah, but there's a difference between dancing to celebrate, yeah, God or praise God, and then this vulgar type of dancing yeah, that you guys want to do roll, is totally yeah. different, yeah. Instead, he's sort of like, hmm, maybe I misjudged them all. Maybe I'm overthinking. Yeah. Maybe I, I've been too harsh. And it's like. Maybe I was wrong after all. Yeah. I think <clears throat> part of his his um, his um eventual coming around is his daughter, like, realizing mm-hmm. that he he's realizing what his, his overbearingness is doing to his daughter. And he realizes this is what. My overbearingness as a pastor is doing to my congregation and to the entire town. So I think the council meeting is part of it, but I also think that the other part is his relationship with his daughter. But then again, like I said before, we have no conclusion with that plot line. So yeah, you you don't really know his motivations because him and his wife go to the dance to stand in the field and look at the mill, and then they kind of like. They kiss and like kind of dance together, and then that's the last we see of them. Yeah, and I think, but also what happens is the the wife says something to him about you're you you're really good at getting stirring the congregation higher so high that they're looking down on heaven, but it's the one to one thing that you have trouble with. And I said what she should have said is because she said I still I always have and thought that you were a wonderful wonderful preacher. And then she says, but it's the one-to-one that you have a problem with. And I, I said, she should have said, but you're a terrible father. Because Ouch. that would have really been a like Ouch. a wake-up call, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think she's the one, they try to establish that she's like, you're being too, you know, you need to, re- to rethink this whole thing. Um, 
Yeah, and it would have think... been, and I think it, and I think he kind of was like, "All right, I'll, we'll just we'll let the. I don't think you should have the dance, but it's not my. They can place. make their choice. Yeah, it's not my place to tell you. Yeah, because it's not even like they... they're not dancing at the church. Yeah, and it's not even like at the end of the movie that the law gets like taken away or anything. It's right. just that they have the dance outside of town. <laughs> Um, I'm reading a letterbox review. Uh, five stars from this kit. From this, just was last night. Banger she says, <laughs> and then she says Willard's hair at the end was not my fave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was some funny ones that I saw. The one, the one that I remember was, um, Kevin Bacon dances like a machete chops through the jungle. <laughs> That and one's I, from an actual review. I think somebody pil- uh, pilfered that one. Maybe, <laughs> but I think that's just a funny way to describe it because it's so specific. And yeah. it, I mean, it really paints a picture. Um, Here, here's a good one. I need a buddy to teach me to dance in the middle of a field. Yeah. And then he says, Gizmo, you free? So it must be his friend Gizmo is going to teach him how to dance. Yeah. Um, There was one other... Another thing... That I realized, I don't know, have you ever seen the first High School Musical movie? No, I don't watch that kind of thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Even though this is basically High School Musical, um, yeah, but so, with a little bit more heavy yeah, heavy in, drama in material. In High School Musical, Troy Bolton, he's on the basketball team, but he wants to try out for the musical. And so he's struggling with this these two different worlds that he... He wants oh, to from being to, a theater geek and being have, a sports yeah. sports. And there's a guy. scene where he's like dancing in the hallways yeah. of the school and like flinging himself against the walls and stuff. Yeah. And I watching it, I was like, I'm pretty sure they based that scene off of the scene in Footloose where he's in the mill. Probably. Because I don't know if it's supposed to be a a paid homage or if it's just like. I don't know. Yeah. I I think that people from my generation revere this movie far too highly. Yeah, I mean it's not a very good movie. It's fun to watch because it's it's silly it's and corny. you can and you can make fun of it. But it's not like yeah. I I wouldn't say that I liked it. No, <laughs> it's a weird premise. It's the the storyline. The whole plot is absurd. Yeah. Um. And the, uh, the characters are very baseline too. There's yeah. no like depth. They're all very stereotypical cliche caricatures yeah. of. But yeah, of these characters, they're characters that we've seen, uh, you know, a million times before. Yeah, but it has the the um, best nineteen eighties um, prom slow dance song is in this almost paradise mm. is like the ultimate. I do remember that song from it. Like actually, the ultimate thinking about it slow dance song for a nineteen eighties public high school dance. Yeah, yeah. I the kind of song that now we used to have a guy that would DJ our dances in junior high and he would have the snowball dance. Now my mom said snowball a snowball dance was different. I think a snowball dance and when she was it's like a winter formal. No, you oh. would invite the girls would invite the boys to go, not the invite and usually the guys would invite a girl to dance. I think yeah, it, it my mom like said a, a snowball dance was like the girls would invite I think that my mom would have to will have to clarify, but this guy, he would play a song like "Almost Paradise," "Almost Paradise," and yeah. you would, 
And you were supposed to dance with a, a boy and girl would pair up and dance. And then when he would say, snowball, <laughs> you were supposed to switch yeah. and dance with another. And, yeah. and the boyfriends and girlfriends would never, no, would, no they would switch. stay together. And then the the guys who could only get one girl interested in dancing with them would go stand off on the side and wait for that girl to, to be, be done, done dancing. Yeah. And maybe she would dance with them again. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of a song like Almost Paradise is yeah. Snowball. I've, I've never been to a school dance. Because I just, never went to a school that had school yeah, dances. Yeah, you went to a school that John Lithgow... Um, was in charge of. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, have, I don't know how many Christian schools have dances. I think a lot of... I think a, some of them do... Some it, kids that I work with said that they don't have dances, that they have, like, formals or they right. have banquets, but they don't have... Because we had banquets, but when we weren't allowed to dance. Um, and I think it's understandable in a Christian environment, you don't want teenagers wrapping their arms around each other. Because you yeah, would be part... I think, you know what I mean? I think it makes sense why they wouldn't want teenagers to dance, but also I don't think that... It's necessarily bad for teenagers to dance with each other because, I mean, just keep an eye on them and, you know, yeah, hands above the waist or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there was um, the, one of our teachers in... What movie in, is that from? In the high, in one high school called the, the Octopus Shuffle. Yeah. You just wrap your arms or Girl, wrap her arms around the neck of the guy and the guy put his arms around her back or whatever because you didn't, you know... I'm I'm doing the the dance thing where my arm is out holding the late woman's hand in my left and hand, hand and I'm hip. leading. Yeah. We didn't do that. No, right? you just, so you shuffle, just around. shuffle around with your arms around each other. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's circle. the that's the classic. <laughs> yeah, the classic, and I think that's uh, what yeah. Christian schools are trying to avoid is having the octopus shuffle. Yeah, the octopus. Shuffle. I think we should do like. Um, like Jane Austen style dances where you all line up and <laughs> the Virginia reel. Yeah, reels. That's what they're calling it. <laughs> we should all we should be doing reels. We need a guy um, with a fiddle and, and we're gonna yeah, line up we and we're a, gonna we need a piano forte. Virginia reel. I've been to a square dance actually, but I've never been to a school dance. You, when did you go to a square dance? <laughs> At the um well, if you were there, it was definitely a square dance because <laughs> you're square. At, at we went to fifth grade camp. Uh, at my elementary school in fifth grade, and they had a square dance, and they yeah. taught us different square yeah. dances. So it wasn't really a real one, but it was. It was. Yeah. Really, yeah. So I, uh, you know, uh, speaking as someone who was a who was alive back in 1984 <laughs> when this movie came out, um, it was po- It was obviously very popular. The music had a huge. I think the music was the most. Um, the most the biggest reason for that was the music was what made it popular but the movie seems to still i mean i haven't taken a poll of people i went to high school with yeah or from my generation i'm assuming that it's still when at least from a nostalgic rose-colored glasses view oh the movies were so i love foot yeah or whatever i mean movies were so better back then or what but i'm just i never really liked it i liked the music but Most it of it. It wasn't. But really, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't like the characters. I wouldn't have hung around with kids like that in high no, school. No, I don't and really. And if anybody I know is listening from high school, if you were like anybody in this movie, I'm not talking about you. I would have hung out with you. Um, I think 
I mean, it can't, like, I, I, I don't like, I mean, I don't dislike Kevin Bacon's character, but there's nothing just, really, yeah. like, appealing about him. Like, he's yeah. kind of just. He's not that good looking. And the, this is the other thing, too, that I, I didn't but write I'm, this down. Oh, no, I don't know if he's good looking. I not, personally but. didn't find him good looking, but that's, you know, to each their own. I, um, something else is that it didn't seem like ariel actually liked him it seemed like because when she like comes to like in she's sitting in the car with him he's saying like she's like you think i'm just a small town girl don't you well i'm going to college and i've applied to all these colleges it seemed like she there she felt like there was something she needed to prove to herself yeah instead of i i'm interested in getting to know this guy that it was just you know that she yeah. she felt like oh he's from the outside and that's where i want to be so i'm drawn to him because of that Looking at your last thing, your notebook there. Yeah. The thing is, is he gets to the town and the kids are already um, corrupted. Are yeah. already rebelling. Yes. That well, that's what I meant. It would have made his earlier. character more interesting if he'd come in and took all these straight shooters. Yeah. Yeah. And was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna stir things up here. Yeah, just try it. You know, we're gonna dance. Yeah. You've never smoked a joint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he gets there and they're like. There's already kids doing drugs. Yeah. Or selling drugs, at least. Yeah, well, that's the thing beer. is, that's what I thought the movie was about, was I thought it was about this big city kid who comes to this straight small town and stirs up trouble, but they already wanted to be dancing and listening to rock and roll yeah. before he even got there. Like, he didn't come in there and add some sort of brilliant... He, he is not... Um, Eye-opening <laughs> viewpoint yeah. that these people were missing. He just comes in and is like... Uh, I'm the only one with the guts to stand up here and quote the Bible and get you people to let us dance. Technically, you know how people say like Indiana Jones is like not important to the Indiana Jones movies because like everything would have yeah. happened without him. It's the same for Footloose. If Kevin Bacon's character had never come to the town, it it probably could have happened anyway. They just would have needed like right another guy <laughs> or or maybe Ariel to yeah. do it instead. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, he didn't really add anything to the... Yeah, he didn't... Like, there was no eye-opening... He yeah. didn't have some eye-opening viewpoint of dancing yeah. and oppression. It's not like in that, the sound but of music. Everybody's like, oh, this guy's like, like you gotta see the light. Yeah, it should have been like the sound of music. He's just a guy who comes in and does a weird, angry dance and uh, teaches Chris Penn how to, how to do... How to move his knees. Uh, how to move his knees. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then at the very end... We want to wrap this up probably. At the very end of this, uh, at the end of the movie, the have the they're allowed to have the dance. Yeah. And then Kevin Bacon comes in and get you know yells at, "Hey, this is supposed to be a party or whatever. Let's dance!" And then all of a sudden, every kid there is like a super awesome uh, professional style dancer of some kind. Yeah. Like one kid's doing like popping and locking yeah. and they're doing the moonwalk and they're this doing break doing, like, dancing he's, like on the ground doing like the where you like the russian dancing where you like kick your feet off yeah. the ground or all whatever. of a sudden yeah. every they all are like yeah there's one girl getting in there she's spin, <coughs> she's spinning around and twirling and she she knows all these these cool moves right and then there's a pretty blonde who's doing stuff and this kid puts his yeah, glasses on so he can see her better uh but then all of, yeah all of a sudden the, and in your comment was about because I said they must have been. Oh yeah, you're like it's been five years, no dancing. How huh? so? They've all been practicing in their rooms. Cause yeah, they've been secretly practicing secretly in their bedrooms. Practicing in their bedrooms upstairs. Uh, and we're just you know? waiting to break it out in front of each other. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
Napoleon Dynamite style. So that's the that's why the ending. I was just kind of like, and then it just ends. Like they didn't really solve the problem. Yeah, which no. is fine. I, I don't mind an ambiguous ending or an open ended ending. Or but like, well, will they get rid of the law? I don't know. But they got at to least dance. A conclusion, you know, like. Well, we're coming out of the 70s here with yeah. this movie, and there were a lot of movies with ambiguous endings in the yeah. 1970s or whatever. But Yeah. All right, so the best song on the soundtrack? Uh, let's hear it for the boy. Let's hear it for the boy. I will um, also say, I agree. Yeah. Kenny Loggins is the let's king of the 80s the soundtracks. He did Caddyshack, Footloose, Top Gun. Oh. Caddyshack, Footloose, Top Gun, and Over the Top. The I will Arnold say Sh- the the um, Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. <laughs> <laughs> I w- and it seems I, like there was another one, but the, I, I was going to say uh, the first thing that I wrote down. I really liked the opening credits. I think that's cool with all the feet, all the different shoes and the yeah. different feet and yeah. dance steps and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was a fun little way. Well, that, I think what I wrote was, um, let's see, sorry, I gotta check my notes here. I said, I like the opening credits. It lets you know right away that this is a movie about dancing. <laughs> well, it's a movie about dancing that doesn't have a whole lot of dancing in it. Yeah. There's that, and then there's the angry dance and the corn crib or whatever that he does. There's, there's the sort there's of teaching the, them how to how to not dance very well. There's the bar dance. The bar and dance. And then the, the, the dance dance at the end. Yeah. I don't know. I also... um. Um, oh, what was I going to say? No, I don't remember. I, I don't know. I had a comment. Oh, I liked Dirty Dancing better. That was my comment. <laughs> all right. Those I didn't like the- either one of them particularly <laughs> well at all. Um, I would be fine not never seeing them At least again, I had fun watching Dirty there Dancing. Was, those were both movie. soundtrack movies. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of movies in the 80s where, like the 60s and 70s, or 60s mostly, the biggest selling albums were soundtracks to musicals. Mm. But these are different. Like these aren't musicals. Like the people in the yeah. in the movies aren't singing. They're dance movies, but they're yeah. right. They're but they're soundtrack movies where the 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 success of the movie is really based around the soundtrack yeah. of the movie, the mo- the yeah. songs in the yeah. movie. Yeah. That's that's what I think. Yeah. I don't think Footloose is a I think there is a good movie hidden somewhere in there um, with some important things to say. But I think somebody thought we can make a lot of money if we get to (laughs) if we could get some teenagers because they were like, let's shove some MTV stuff in here. Yeah. And uh, the kids will love it. Yeah. I also think. It's the guy from a hard day. It's the um, guy from a hard day's night that's trying to sell the the shirts. Yeah. yeah, that's trying to get George uh, Harrison's opinion on the shirts. It's that kind of attitude. Like, yeah, we're just trying so, to sell. Yeah, yeah. I, I would also like to say I thought it was really funny um, that all of a sudden they all had motorcycles at one point. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> every all, every character and every main character in the movie and the good guy side is riding motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. So thumbs down for Footloose. Sorry. Um, Sorry, Gen X people. Oh. Children of the eighties. We will um we will talk about more nineteen eighties stuff going forward, but we just wanted to we thought that would this would be a good place to kick it off with. Yeah, no start, pun intended. Start off foot on the, loose kick off. Yeah, start on the right foot. Start on the right start <laughs> things off on the right foot. Exactly. But um there's Take more a to step come. Step in the right direction. There's more to come. Um 
And it's not just going to be movie talk. We'll talk about some, some other, serious. some really serious, hard hitting things, like the Jacksons Victory Tour. Um, I mean, we could really talk about like, like that. historical events. Sure, if we want to bore people, but well, nobody listens. We're intellectuals. So. Yeah, nobody's really listening anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so that's it. I think, huh? Yeah. Thumbs down for Footloose, but thumbs up for this podcast because I enjoy our little talks.